Welcome back to The Shed, boys. Happy to see you. We're having a virtual session today because COVID, Delta, excess of caution. My opinion, excess of caution is way better than a modicum of suffering. So I'm good with an excess of caution. Hi, from Burnley. You know, hi from North Van. East Van, hello. We've looked at the stats and we're all fully vaccinated. It turns out that hospitalizations for vaccinated people are well way below... So maybe we would have been safe in the shed, but excess of caution. Yeah, and I mean, I'm okay with that. It's way more fun to be all in the shed, but still. I've lost the plot on this intro, so I'm just going to say, here we go. It's going to be fun, so stick with us. we got a whole bunch of stuff we wanted to talk about, and we're going to have some fun, so come along. There's a rare kind of person who likes to know the plot in advance, has absolutely no issue with knowing surprise endings, anything. And then watching... Yeah, they're, they're, it's like someone watching a Shakespeare play that they've seen a million times. They still find something to enjoy about it, even though they know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's uh, weird. yeah, that is weird. And those are the people that spoil it for the rest of us. They just completely, it just doesn't occur to them. Mm-hmm. Damn it. They're hateful people, small, insignificant in my world. They are. I like the uh, back of the box plot praises. I really, I really actually like to know the general structure of whatever it is. You like, okay, this is a shoot 'em up and a rogue guy, you know, or whatever. What do they always call them? A taut psychological thriller. If you just see that phrase, you kind of know what you're in for. And they don't even have to print anything else in the back of the box for the plot summary for those. But uh, like, if you did the whole Gone with the Wind thing that we did. For some movie that I was actually interested in seeing, uh, that would not be cool with me. Robertson Davies is a great Canadian author, and uh, the first book I read of his is called Fifth Business, which is the first part of a trilogy. And I made the mistake of reading the back, Precy. <laughs> right? There's a big event that happens. I'm not going to say what it is. And it happens at the end, and it makes you go, oh, it's just like huge. So important. And the <laughs> stupid praise starts at because blah, blah, blah happened. Oh, blah, 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 blah. that's. It, oh, he's just so offside. And you get to wonder, you know, when Robertson Davies made his agreement with the publishers and when he saw that, what all happened, I wonder. Did he just cede the rights for the cover art and cover cover words right off the top without even thinking about it? Or did he have to, you know? I, that's, I think that's the only one of his I ever read was Fifth Business, and I did it at your recommendation. And honestly, I cannot remember the big what event. I thought. Well, no, not only just the big event, but what I even thought of it. What did I think it was great, medium, rare, whatever? Oh, right, right, right. What are the names of the others in that trilogy? Because I'm sure I've read a Robertson Davies, but I don't. Uh, here it is the Deptford trilogy. The first one is Fifth Business, then The Manticore, and oh, then World that. of Wonders. I don't think I read World of Wonders. I did read the Manticore, though. Can't remember the slightest thing about it. And he must have had some standalone, not part of a trilogy. Oh, my God. He's such a great writer. But it's just been too long since I've read him, so I don't yeah. know any of his book names off the top of my head. Oh, Tempest Tossed. Fantastic. Mm. That one's based on a small-town production of The Tempest. Mm. And it's just so funny. Moby, I think you'd just love it because it's got all those little details about, you know, whose house you go over to for the uh, 
for the rehearsals oh. and the little bits of politics that are happening yeah, the behind small the small town scenes. dynamics. That'd be awesome. Oh my God, it's fantastic. That'd be good. Uh, leaven is, I don't know how you pronounce this, leaven or leaven. Leaven, like uh, unleavened uh, bread or leaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leaven of malice, a mixture of frailties. Those three oh. are the Salterton trilogy. I read mixture of frailties too. Jeez, I've forgotten. Yeah, and then the Cornish trilogy, also incredibly good. The Rebel Angels, What's Bread and the Bone. Oh, I read that. <laughs> and The Liar of Orpheus. He died at age uh, 82 in 1995. Yeah, okay. How's everybody? Yeah, I got, you know, uh, I got a new doctor, right? And so, uh, Dr. Cohen, so he's a fellow Jew. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've been using that joke a lot, and I feel like that's not the first time we heard that joke. I don't know that that's a joke, really. You know, it's just a statement of fact. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, uh, he wrote, uh, he, actually, no, I think I might've put this in the table of contents. So, uh, anyway, so, uh, I'm going to see him about oh, two weeks from now. So I had to book the appointment three weeks in advance. He wrote us a really long letter. Oh, that's right. You did send us that. I look forward to our conversation on that. Yeah, okay, so we'll leave that until we come up to it in the table of contents. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I was coughing just a little bit from time to time, and, you know, I got allergies maybe. And, you know, you're on that borderline, you go, oh, shit, do I need to get a test? You know, because I got be narrow good. sinuses, so I'm terrified of the test, kind of like people might be afraid of needles. I'm afraid of that jab of the thing up my Why nostrils. don't you go for the swishy one then? The saliva test. Well, where do you go? Is there a specific thing you can ask? No, no, no. The the nasal one is non-intrusive. It's not? It touches the outside of your nose. Really? Ba barely the outside of your nose. Well, what? It might go in your nose this a far. A little bit. Okay. Okay. That's, KJ, no I, feel, I feel compelled to not have Rich traumatized by an unexpected surprise. This far into your nose. That's just incorrect. I've had five tests. I've had uh, one, but... But Moby, you don't have narrow sinuses, right? It's wave. It's more like that. It's bloody hell in there. No, no, that was the old days. My skinny. understanding is it's 12 inches. They sample your stomach's contents. That's really what they're doing. That was the old days skin. We've moved on. Oh. I had my test. When, would, when did I have a test? I had a test in... About six weeks July, ago. I think. Yeah, July. It's not that long ago, and it was way further... Well, maybe for you. Is that in North Van skin? It wouldn't surprise me, uh, Moby, if... Because you have to get the test all the time, that they do a version of it that's close enough, you know, because you're getting tested all the time. I wonder, I wonder if they actually changed the protocol because I have heard other people say, oh my God, it's past the narrow, narrow part. So it goes, it's probably in like three inches or something like that. Oh, well, maybe you're right. Uh, but I, I had also... On one day, I had a rapid test followed right after with a regular, like within 24-hour test, and they were both the same. Rapid test was uh, results in 15 minutes. Well, um, I now have to prepare to eat major crow, KJ, because I'm reading a thing from last year, August of 2020, and it's American, it's ABC News, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't matter because it says for most people over the age of 12, a swab will go between two and three centimeters into the nose, which is about, you know, inch and a half. That's a long way. 
That's a long, long way. Well, yeah, two centimeters is a little over an inch, I believe, and two and a half is sort of like an inch and a half. No. Anyway. Uh, So, Rich, I understand. I was looking at any list, and we all received a letter that you received from your new GP, which I got to say, it was a comprehensive introduction of his services to his new patients. And uh, I think you got an appointment coming up, too. Uh, So... Tell us what you thought of the letter that you forwarded to us about this guy. Well, as has been mentioned on the podcast in the past, uh, I had the uh, number one rated doctor in all of North Vancouver. And uh, he closed his practice. Don't know why I really wanted to set up an appointment with him just so I could say, hey, thanks for all the uh, doctoring over the years, you know, because he's pretty very good. Uh, But I didn't. I didn't have any kind of ostensible reason to have an appointment. So there you go. So the letter was quite a long one and provided some insights into our medical system in BC, which has been a, you know, a frequent point of discussion on this podcast, given our our ages. So he's writing to formally introduce himself and give us some information on his background. He says he's been now in the medical clinic for the past six weeks, having moved from the UK, where I have a very busy metropolitan practice in London. So I think I read from that that he's telling us that this is a small backwater that he's moved down to, but he used to have a very busy metropolitan practice in London. Is that how you would interpret that, guys? Mm -hmm. He's telling us he's super competent. He's really good. And he says, after acclimatizing to Canada and spending some time familiarizing myself with the healthcare system here, I wanted to address some of the common themes that have cropped up in my consultations I have had with some of you so far. He goes on to talk about a number of different topics, which I thought were pretty interesting. So I'm going to just highlight them. He's been asked by many patients, uh, quote, if I have specifically read their file before seeing them at an appointment, and some patients have been disappointed that I have not done so. I wanted to outline that I have inherited a practice of 2,500 patients. I don't know about you guys, but when I show up to the doctor, they don't have an instant recollection of my health situation. No, they typically have my file in their hand, though. They do, or on the screen these days. And so they look around, but you could tell they're filling in the blanks. But I I read somewhere else that it's typical for Canadian doctors to have a thousand patients. Um, So I think he might be stretching things a bit because Dr. Villanelle, also this clinic is a walk-in clinic. I mean, it, Mm -hmm. it no longer is in COVID times, but it was. And so I wouldn't surprise me if he counts... All the patients, including I, It wouldn't surprise me if he counts patients that have since deceased, left the country, just everything. But uh, yeah, 2,500 patients. Anyway, and so apparently some patients are upset that he hasn't read their files in advance. So Sorry, I just want to stop you just there for a second. KJ, you and I, let's share our opinions on what might be happening there. Why is he taking note that patients are asking him? Uh, because that's the first thing that they're saying to him. And why is that the first thing they're saying to him, do you think? Well, I did the exact same thing because I just uh, inherited a doctor. And I said, well, you know that I've got. And she said, no, I don't know everything on your file. Your file is like 800 pages long. Yeah. And I can't read everything of yeah. it. And, I, and I, I realized then that, oh, of course she can't. So I have to remind her of that. But I, I, I understand w- w- what this guy's saying. Yeah. I created an any list 
because I'm going to go in and see the guy and uh, I want to have a nice uh, summary for him. I'm a little worried about the whole first appointment thing uh, for reasons that will become apparent. But anyway, I, I, I have this any list and it just shocked me uh, how many healthcare issues I seem to have that are kind of like ongoing, but you just don't think about them because they don't really get in the way of your life typically. So uh, on that, I wonder, are you at all concerned with the part of his letter where he says he only wants to talk to you about one, maybe two things max at a time? Absolutely. If you go with a laundry list, what do you got to book half a day in, you know, 2028 when he has half a day or what, do you, how do you do that? Yeah, exactly. Because he, he talks about physicals as well. Do you guys go for, annual physicals or when was the last time you were in the habit of getting an annual kind of physical i certainly did with my old doctor my new one i have had one but i've just read something where they're saying that uh, annual physicals are not so necessary as they once were he says that uh, many patients request annual physicals and that is no longer a service i will be offering this is due to shifting guidance from the College of Family Physicians of Canada as to the usefulness of annual physicals. Uh, the guidance is very clear that a tailored care approach should be followed. There's no need for annual checks in patients who are at low risk of progressing to certain diseases such as heart disease, diabetes, cancer, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, etc. You know, I think part of who he's talking to is the younger demographic. He says, moving forward, patients who wish to discuss their general health can book an appointment for health counseling. Yeah. So I thought, oh, maybe that's me. Maybe, you know, I should just do that just to introduce myself to them. And I'll bet you they allow 20 minutes instead of 10. And But unfortunately, I haven't learned about it. When I called the office, the uh, receptionist going, health counseling, huh? <laughs> okay, whatever. I got to go there for to have them look at some earwax, you know, just to say hello. And I'm going to thrust my long list of health problems into his hands and say, hey. Is he, is he offering a phone call with that health counseling? Is that what it um, is? Yes, I think so. And and he gives a list of, later on in the letter, he gives a list of things that are suitable for in-person visits versus telephone visits. So a, a, an excellent piece of information, I thought. Yeah, that is interesting. And that is also a thing too, is the whole business of, I don't know what doctors pay their office staff, but my thought would be in terms of the public's experience, it would serve everyone well if they paid their staff more. Or had more staff. Because, Either. Yeah. Because typically when you call in uh, this particular office, it's not uncommon to be on hold for five, 10 minutes before you talk to the person. Yeah, I just, my thought there was if you paid them more, you could have a higher expectation for the demeanor and, and their skill in dealing with public. If you're yeah. paying them like $17 an hour, you're going to get a lot. Of, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, their know. demeanor was fine. They just didn't seem to be very aware about the mm -hmm. health counseling. Anyway, so there's that. So uh, changes to prescriptions. He has a couple paragraphs on, I'm starting from scratch here. I'm not just going to assume that whatever prescriptions you're on are good. And I think that's fine. You know, new doctor, as yeah. long as he has a good way of working with me, that means I can, you know, kind of think about whether I want to get on or off certain medications. Appointment length. This is an old chestnut. My appointments are 10 minutes long. I think that is a standard set by the government. Uh, he kindly asks that I focus on one or two problems within the context of one appointment. 
again, I actually think that's reasonable. We've talked about this before. Uh, when you understand the nuances, they're not saying I will shut you down the moment you list a third. They are required. If you list eight things, they're required to listen in that 10 minute appointment. And then they can say, well, of all those things, none of them are imminent or emergent. So please do book another appointment because my next one is waiting. Um, I think that's all very, very reasonable. Uh, on the other hand, if a couple of the uh, symptoms are, well, I'm coughing up blood and uh, I find it hard to breathe. Uh, he has a, a requirement to immediately deal with those. And I have no doubt that he would. So I'm not worried yeah. about that. And he also says, please ask for a double appointment. I could probably deal with two or three issues in 20 minutes as a rough guide. So again, like these are good words, rough guide. Yeah, I kind of like that part. I will say that. I'll give him that. I did like him providing some sort of idea about what he can get done in what time frame, as by way of explaining the limit on issues that you bring. I thought that was good. Yeah. And some of us, uh, if we're rule followers, we just call in, we do whatever happens. You know, sometimes I'm in that mode. But when you have this kind of knowledge, then you're able to say, hey, can I book a double appointment? Yeah. The other thing too, I often think about because my doctors, I'm pretty sure he shortchanges himself on the number of billings he gets for the amount of time he spends. And the reason I think he shortchanges himself that way is because he is perpetually far behind in his appointments. You know, you get there for a two o'clock appointment, you sit there till 3.15 sort of thing. And that is just a regular occurrence. And I, I'm sure his days are always long, but it doesn't serve anybody really to do it that way. It just doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, I'll report back after, uh, after my appointment. Why don't you see if you can uh, video him? <laughs> do that. Do and we that. can all decide how we feel about his manner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll explain that up front. Anyway. So listeners may or may not. I kind of hope they have noticed that there was a big gap between a couple of episodes. And that big gap is because the editor of our podcast did not attend to his duties in a timely manner. And the reason he didn't, that's me, is because he got a job with Elections Canada. Ooh. Oh, you've been working long days. And as a result, I have been running just ragged. I am the election materials coordinator for District 59021 North Vancouver, uh, working out of the Capilano Mall Old Sears building. And boy, oh boy, I got to tell you, boys, there are a set of mental and physical, but really mental muscles that are required to just get up and go to work every day. Mine have atrophied pretty severely. I, I've been doing it now. It'll be Tomorrow was two weeks since I started, and the first three days, I don't recall having been so exhausted in the last 10 years. I'm not just talking about physically, although that was a lot of it. So I haven't had any time at all. I'm still doing dance every night, so the day starts at quarter to seven, and it ends at about 10.20 when I get back in from walking the guys. And I don't know what to say. If you guys or our listeners are ever wanting to chat about... Why does a federal election cost $960 million? I have a new insight. So you are employed by Elections Canada? I sure am. $20.23 an hour. And I need to frequently remind myself that for that kind of money, 
I should try not to care very much because it's not worth it. No, you need to care because our elections are important. <laughs> what do you do as a elections materials coordinator? Well, I mean, so this is where I was going with the $960 million. Like day one, I get there. That's not really how much it costs, Kenny. I believe that's the figure I read somewhere in the media. I don't know. Could check it, but yeah. So I thought I was just going to be a lift and carry guy, right? So I get there and there's a dolphin delivery truck with two guys about five years younger than us. And they've got nine pallets. And it turns out that there is no way to get them from the truck to our place. We had to unload each one of those containers into the back of a rented pickup truck, drive the pickup up to the door of the place we're in, and then use dollies to dolly it into the building times nine. And of course, they're on a schedule. And, you know, we're not supposed to help. They get paid for that. But I don't know about you guys. It's pretty hard to stand there and watch two guys just slaving their butts off, trying to make a living with other appointments to do and just stand there, watch. So that was a lot of stuff. And the next day we received seven and the next day we received 10. And my job turns out the end of that first day, I find out that I'm being offered a position to keep track of all that crap. So I have to group it. I have to uh, issue it. I have to keep track of how much there is and reorder if necessary. And I have no idea what the structure of the office is or what the roles of people that take votes and supervise vote-taking sites are. And there's all these materials. There's a million forms. I don't know which ones are sensitive. Obviously, ballots are sensitive. You know, they're like revenue stock. They've got numbers and you got to account for every one of them. And I just find the whole thing is just holy crap. And it's like a never-ending game of catch-up, right? So you spend time trying to get your feet under you. But at the end of this week that we're in right now, advanced polls start, which means the distribution of a whole bunch of material to a, a bunch of locations and a bunch of people working within those locations. And then at the end of it, you get the material coming back. A week later, it's the general election where it's more stuff to more locations and more people. It's just like a never-ending escalation and then a big crescendo on September 20th. And then, you know, we all go into rehab for a month. The good news, though, is this job has saved me from volunteering for the NDP, which I was feeling pretty ambivalent about <laughs> because I have sworn an oath to uphold the Elections Canada Act, which includes not expressing partisan opinions or trying to influence the opinions or votes of anybody else. I must show up at work each day not wearing any particular party's colors. So that means I'm limited to pretty much gray and black <laughs> and white. That's about so it. So did you swear or did you affirm? I swore. So you uh, used a Bible? No, I read it out loud in the presence of witnesses who signed the form. And the other day I was doing stuff and they're beginning to train people for all these roles. And I'll get to the roles in a sec. And I heard a whole class of people who were asked to read the oath out loud by an instructor. And when they didn't all read it robustly enough, he made them do it again. And then he made them do it a third time. So the whole class was loudly reading this form out so he could be sure they had all properly taken their oath before they signed that document. And you got to keep it on your person while you are working at whatever site you're deployed to. Just like, wow, who knew? 
So getting back to the costs, in just the North Vancouver Electoral District, they will pay 800 different positions. You know, they might only be 10 hours of work, might be three or four hours of work, might be whatever, but 800 positions will be paid something for doing some work. Across Canada, it's 250,000 positions in support of the election. Just an update on the numbers. Mm -hmm. They are indeed staggeringly high. Not the same as what you said, but just to get them out there. The 2019 election came in at just over half a billion, $502.4 million. (laughs) And the estimated cost for this one, the 44th, is $610 million. Mm -hmm. So up $108 million. And why is it so expensive? Short COVID-19. Oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And a growing population. So Also, the fact that it's a snap election, like all the spaces. So COVID has limited the availability of spaces that they typically use, predominantly schools, just not available. So they're scrambling to find spaces. They can't actually write any contracts with anybody until the writ is dropped. So on a very short term, you're scrambling. In other words, people with spaces to rent have Elections Canada kind of over the barrel, which I would expect drives costs. The COVID part, absolutely. You wouldn't believe the ocean of face masks, face shields, hand cleaners, sanitary wipes that are in that place waiting to be distributed and protective screens for everybody who's taking ballots, hundreds of those. I mean, it's it's really... And also, these materials come... I don't know where it is, but somewhere near Ottawa, I would imagine, is an Amazon-like facility where I don't know how many people are running around all the time putting together packages of materials that go to people doing specific roles. So if you're the uh, site supervisor for an electoral site, a polling place, you get this big envelope. It's about three inches thick that's just stuffed with about 30 different items that you're going to need, right? And they're all the same. Everybody gets one. And somebody somewhere back east in a giant building is picking 30 items and stuffing them into those kind of envelopes. And, some, and there's there's probably eight or 10 different kinds of envelopes like that. And there's other different packages, uh, uh, counting materials, you know, just pencils and erasers. Oh, it's really pretty eye-opening how much and they got to provision the office with phones and copiers and uh printers hey why can't they use the schools for polling places because of covid they do not want the public marching in and out of the schools carrying their stupid covid germs with them when school is in session Uh our local place is our school is it well up in north van they've they've said no they won't do it. So that must vary uh, district by district, I guess. Must be. Uh, but that is quite remarkable, actually, because you're right. I mean, I, I would only think of the ballots. Oh, it's just. And, and you see, you know, scenes on movies and stuff of a box of ballots. Yeah. And then you have to think, oh, wait a minute. you got to scale that yeah. <laughs> incredibly. And that's just the ballots alone. And there's so, just yeah. all these documents that go with it, too. Whoa. You know, people not voting in their own district. People, you know, they're a little sketchy on their ID People who, oh, just on and on and on and on. It's hey, incredible. Hey, do you work after the election? Probably about two days <laughs> putting stuff back into those oh. monotainers. It's probably your particular role could end up in the news, right? If, if it yeah. was the American election. 
Mm-hmm. Although, yeah. although usually there's someone more senior than you that kind of has to take the brunt of the uh, crazies. It's interesting. No, materials coordinator, he that'd be a yeah. good target. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting, and and there are ballots. They're called special ballots, so you can go vote right now if you want. Just find your district headquarters, walk in there with some ID, and say you want to vote. You can vote this minute, but you have to write the name of the candidate you wish to vote for on the ballot because it's blank. They've just finished selecting. They're at the printers now, probably. And listeners, this is Labor Day today. Happy Labor Day, boys. Happy Mooncakes. Anyway, and those things, because they're blank... They need to be kept track of. So I kept a very close. And I mean, I intuitively, you just know. I don't know if about you, RJ, but back in the day, I was responsible for check printing, interest check printing. And you look at the boxes of blank checks and the serial numbers on the checks are printed right outside on the outside of the box. And this box starts here and it ends there. And your job was to be able to speak to every single check that was in that box these ones, checks one to five, got used up aligning the printers. The last ones got used up getting it off the printers. The other one, you know, like all of that. And these ballots, right away, you know it's the same. So I turned them over to whoever consumes those just immediately. Okay, you've got a locked room. You get these. I I don't want to have these just hanging around here anymore. <laughs> I'll bet you you signed some paperwork that says that you released this or that. I just noted it in my little uh, inventory files. And that's the other thing. There's a vast amount of information, really good information in a lot of cases, already available online. So when I come in, it took me four days to get an opportunity to read it, but there's a really useful guide for what I'm supposed to be doing and how I might do it, when shipments are coming, what's supposed to be in those shipments, who's receiving stuff, what the details of everything in any package might be. Somewhere there's a giant anthill of people just scurrying around day and night putting this stuff together. And they called a snap election, so a lot of the documentation around COVID processes never got completed. Oh, well, you know. So now they're just making it up. All across Canada, people are dealing with oceans of hand cleaner and wondering who gets what. Well, I say, good for you, Skin. I didn't even know you were doing that. Well, because I thought it would make a big impression here in the cast. And it has. But uh, I'm just whacked when I get home at the end of the day. Just done. Yeah, those are some long days. You'll know better next election, though, right? Yeah, I'll just bail. Actually, you know, that's the other thing. It's you get, here's a fun fact too. You get 40 hours a week and because you're a temporary employee, there's no provision for overtime within that 40 hours. So if I work three 10 hour days in a row, good for you. (laughs) But if by the end of Saturday night, I've worked 45 hours, I get five hours of overtime. It's on a weekly basis. Yeah, you can, they just, that's the only overtime you get, which I thought, wow. So you have to watch your time because they're quite sensitive to consuming overtime, of course. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, it's uh, September 6th, two days after Cromer and Deb got married. Cromer and Deb, shout out to Congratulations to those guys. Congratulations, you guys. You won't hear this for another few weeks or whatever, but uh, everything went well. Oh, Good. The officiant and the couple were maskless and the seven or eight other guests had masks because they're inside because of pissy, pissy rain. But I guess it was a great day for all involved. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Good to hear. Congrats, Cromer and Deb and little Alicia. 
that we skin is frozen on us or is he still there oh no he's his eyebrows just went his up his mouth's just the cat the dog's tail is wagging he's trying there, to say so. something but he can't just can't get it out <laughs> so here's my brilliant moneymaker idea boys i know you love these because they're always they're always brilliant so i currently hold stock in a company okay good for me And I've discovered during my travels that the online uh, investing system that TD provides called Web Broker provides a lot of information about the companies that you may choose to invest in, including a report on what buys and sells of the company's stock its executive have made. Hmm. So that's kind of fun. So I'm holding this stock and one day it goes up quite a bit and that's all well and good for I'm all happy. But then I start. I think maybe Dale of North Vancouver tipped me to this. And I have a look and I realized that the CEO of this company made a big buy on a Wednesday and the stock went up on a Friday. And the reason it went up on the Friday is because they had announced earnings that were well over their projected earnings target. So whenever earnings are up, you know, the company's thriving and people get excited and their stock value is driven up. It occurred to me, geez, this guy bought a whole whack of his company's stock on Wednesday, and that announcement was made public on Friday. And I thought, wow, isn't that just straight up insider trading? And the answer is probably not, because I believe the rule is along the lines of the general public must have an opportunity to hear this news so that they can make decisions about purchases. You can't have the purchase made before the public ever hears about it. The fun bit about that, though, is for big purchases, it takes a couple days for them to clear. So if you phone your broker on Wednesday and say, I want to buy a million shares of some company, it'd be awesome if they cleared at about 8.30 or 9 o'clock on Friday morning, because I think that's going to be doable, isn't it? The guy says, yeah, it'll be about like that. Then you're good. You've made the buy. You've started the wheels in motion based on your insider knowledge. But it doesn't come to fruition until after the announcement has been made public. Like, is it as soon as he buys, there's a two two day waiting period before it's official. But is when he buys, is that knowledge that somebody bought a million? That is the question, because the report showed it the same day on that same Friday. The report that TD publishes shows that the guy made his buys. He placed his orders on Wednesday. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, you should check that because I would be actually quite surprised if the regulations allowed someone to do a trade before the uh, news is public. Well, and there's the two dates involved are the trade date and the settlement date. Trade date is when you place your order. And it's largely because of history that the settlement dates two days later, even though the electronic systems are actually capable of doing it almost immediately. Now they, They, for various reasons, have to do it two days later. Um, The whole point of not allowing uh, an executive to trade on insider knowledge is to prevent them being able to get ahead of the market. And I think placing a trade ahead of a big announcement is a no-no. So you would have to actually see the real dates and or, or show me an article that says that that actually happens before I believe okay. it. Okay, well, that's WPRT is the TS, TSX uh, number. So I'll look into that and get back to you. But I was just uh, pretty amazed by that. 
So he placed an order on a Wednesday. That's what I think. Yeah, two days. And oh, and is it because you saw that the trade happened on Friday? I believe yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the trade date. Like, like the bank would publish the trade dates, not the settlement dates. And uh, really, so it would be Friday. Yeah, and then it would and then it would the trade would happen on the Tuesday or Wednesday if there was a holiday. Uh, the actual settlement date. Oh, I got you. Interesting now. I think Rich is probably in the right of it, and I've got my facts screwed up here again. But where I was going with it was, if what is material is the settlement date of the trade, which in this case, my theory was the settlement date was Friday morning at about 10 a.m. or something like that. Um, but for legal purposes, you can't have a, what do you call it, a trade date? The date you place the order yeah. can't be before that knowledge is made public. I mean, the hint there is that it's called the trade date. Mm. Um, the settlement date is just when the back end money. Yeah. Bears looking into I mean, intuitively, I got to say what you're saying makes a lot more sense. Okay. Now, uh, faithful listeners, by the time you hear this, I'm sure you will already have heard our planned election special podcast. We're going to have our own in-house political analyst, pundit, and general all-round expert, Griffin T. of Burnaby, I think, come in and tell us what he thinks is shaken with the general election, and we will publish that just immediately prior. So you'll have heard that before you hear this podcast, but none of us claim to be political experts at all by any stretch, and so I thought it would be fun for us to just have a quick little prediction here what we think is going to be the outcome. Here on Labor Day, two weeks before the election, what do we think is going to happen? Tough to say until after the English language debate. I'm going to go with a liberal minority. Who's going to prop them? The NDP certainly will. Okay. And uh, who's propping the current liberal minority? NDP. KJ, what's your prediction? Well, I have noticed lately, I see that Mr. Trudeau is behind in the polls now. And But I'm also seeing on my feed, I'm seeing a lot of people uh, commenting on the People's Party. Is the block in the leaders' debate? They must be, right? I believe so, yeah. Uh, yes, but not... Not the People's Party? Not the People's Party and not the Greens. Yeah. Not the Greens? Oh, well, my prediction is I believe that the Greens will be wiped out of, yeah, the federal parliament. I'm just wondering, just because I, I've never... I'm The people who are mentioning the People's Party are certainly l- left of center, as far as I, I think I know, on my, on my feed stuff, right? Depends uh, on the tone they're using when they mention it. On the topic, right? Yeah, because they're, they're way out on the wing, and, and anybody out, way out on the wing, it's surprising how much in common people at the far left and far right have. Uh, so, for example, anti-vaccine opinions are quite prevalent both in the far left and the far right. Didn't know that. People who have a general distrust in institutions end up on the far left and the far right. Do you know anything about the People's Party? I thought that they were a far right party. I think they are. Maybe they are. Okay, okay. So then that's going to cancel that out. I'm thinking that uh, Jagmeet Singh might make some inroads somewhere. That's 
That's all I can, and that's sort of more hopeful than fact-based. That's it. Did you tell us who's going to be prime minister? No, it's it's uh, uh, it's very weird. Unless Trudeau can make it back, uh, I, I expect he'll probably maintain a minority government. I agree with both of you. I think it'll be Trudeau uh, supported by the NDP. The NDP, yeah, will make gains, I'm pretty sure. So if it came down to it, would the bloc support the conservatives or the liberals? I would expect them to support the conservatives because the bloc are pretty right wing, I believe. Well, they're certainly very left wing when it comes to climate. Are they? Wouldn't they be more in, in line with Trudeau just because, I don't know, because of his Montreal roots, if nothing else? I mean, well, I, is he more sympathetic to sovereignty than the conservatives, do you think? Because that's what the bloc is all about, yeah? I don't know that either of them are sympathetic. Well, I don't think either of them really are. But if you were the bloc and you thought, I can get a national profile and I can influence national policy... I would have thought they would look to the liberals to be more sympathetic to the idea of sovereignty than the conservatives. I think the conservatives are just a hard no. They're just not going to entertain that. Yeah, I got to go with that too, that I would think the liberals would be a little bit more sympathetic, but barely. Anyway, yeah, I I think I agree with both of you. I think it'll be a Trudeau minority again, probably. And the NDP, I do think, will be a little bit more strongly positioned than they have been. Well, thanks, boys. I just wanted to know. So there it is. But we'll wonder what the expert will have said by the time everybody hears this. So that's everything we got for this episode. That was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of ground there, and I'm pretty sure it's going to raise some questions for you. Uh, One of the things we kind of neglected to take advantage of in uh, the first of our Nancy of New West episodes she had mentioned something about her father would never tell her tales of his time in the camps and internment and all the rest of it. And months ago, we promoted the idea that if you have an elder relative that you would like to get stories out of, telling them to perfect strangers might work out okay. We're still available for that service, so bring it on. I also wanted to mention that a couple of episodes in those Nancy of the West, we used our old throwback theme music. This isn't because we've fallen out of love with uh, voodoo jazz at all. No, they're still our guys. It was just a throwback impulse thing. Usually, you'll hear voodoo jazz. Anyways, that's enough of that. Keep yourself safe. You want to come on here? you got to let us know. We can't just imagine it. We hope to talk to you soon, and we will talk to each other soon. <laughs>